In their ever-present pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later, the Homestar Army proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about. Trek West 5 is brought to you in part by RocketWebDesign.com, custom web design at template website prices. Designs by DD.blogspot.com, your online home for all your digital scrapbooking needs. Need a home along the Wasatch Front? Contact Lisa DeBagere with Kirkham & Friends Real Estate. No one will work harder for your home. And thehomestarmy.com, blogging to the world since 2004. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Good evening and welcome to a podcast movie special, The Sting. I am Peter. And I am Joey. And uh, I, we almost didn't do this tonight. Um, well, really, just because I sent out the email late. <laughs> okay. I was like, we didn't? <laughs> well, to be fair, you hadn't watched the movie till this afternoon. Because I knew I had the afternoon off. You didn't know you had the afternoon off until today. <laughs> I had planned all week Lie on to our listeners. I planned all week on taking it off. Um, well, welcome to the podcast anyway joey i'm glad you made it thanks i'm glad you're here and um i gosh i can't think of anything spectacular or interesting that happened this week for me do you got anything no no just the regular week regular week which means that uh something bad happened (laughs) isn't that how your regular weeks go there were some bad things that happened, but nothing worth talking about. All right. Well, that makes me feel better that uh, it was more normal. Okay. That something bad happened to you. <laughs> makes me comfortable. Um, let's see here. Where should we begin? I say we begin with Bob's email? No. Oh. Facebook Find of the Week. Oh. Okay. We usually do, do that all in that the beginning. Stuff? Yes. <laughs> we're still going to do that. Okay. Uh, Facebook Find of the Week. Man, this is a this was a tough one this week because there were a couple that I actually enjoyed quite a bit. Oh, let me guess, George R R Martin's gonna win again? No. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm still I'm still pretty pissed off about that <laughs> having won last podcast. Still pretty pissed about that. Right. We had like two or three weeks worth of submissions, and you go with like the most recent one. I enjoyed it. It was terrible. It was accurate. <laughs> Look, I think. You know who I think should have won is Sai when he found that additional like zoom in zoom out thing like compare the size of things yeah. in the known universe. That was awesome again. Awesome, Sai. That had my vote. But no, no, you chose that horrible, horrible author. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, listener Fishhead had a couple good entries, and we had the. Uh, the nuclear thing from Psy. I'm going to say I think there's a very clear winner here. Okay. And you think it is? Oh, I'm not going to tell you. No, tell me. No, 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 no. I'm not all gonna... I'm going to do is hear nothing. Not... I know. That's the joy of me <laughs> not telling. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm going to go with the uh, the nuclear thing from, from listener Psy. Oh, really? Really. I enjoyed it. That's I a, had fun with it. That's an excellent suggestion. I think you've chosen well. 
Uh, I had a lot of fun with that. As I mentioned in the comments, I, I don't know what it says about me that I went to my hometown <laughs> and started nuking things there. I went near your hometown as well. <laughs> uh, you know what would have been fun is to be able to see how like the geography would have factored into it. Oh, okay, like canyons would have funneled it and things like yeah, that. Yeah, cool, because if you think about it, I, I ended up back here at Salt Lake City, and I, I did that, you know, to see, you know, if they dropped it in downtown Salt Lake, which bomb would go off and my house still survive? I would be interested to know, because we're right up against the Wasatch Mountains, is there anything that's going to go over the top, or would they end up getting shielded and thus the spread would not be as far. Interesting. I mean, clearly the uh, um, like the the wind blast or the shock wave is going to get dampened by the mountains. Right. Has to be. Yeah. Um, and so that would get affected. Radiation maybe would still. I mean, that stuff's just going to be carried around by prevailing winds. As far as I understand, radiation. <laughs> okay. It's just, it's it's preferred mode of travel. Prevailing locomotion. Winds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Locomotion? I, no, I don't think so. Well, maybe. Maybe it likes to take the train. Um, I had fun with that. I, I thought it was uh, a real blast. Pun intended. So, thanks very much, Sai. Congratulations yeah. on uh, having one. Okay, Joey's Culture Corner. We don't have a Brainy's Nook of Darkness. He, uh, he didn't send it in. Oh, that's unfortunate. We miss Brainy's Nook of Darkness. Yes, we do. Uh, Joey's Culture Corner. So, you're, you're going to hate this one. But oh. I have to talk about it. Which means I'm going to enjoy... Hating it? Yes. <laughs> okay, so, I've been watching a lot of TV with my kids. For, well, you know, since they were old enough to really get something out of watching TV. I like to watch it with them. Uh, my daughter has decided that the thing she wants to do when Dad comes home from work is to watch My Little Pony with Dad. Is she still doing My Little Pony? My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, which is the new iteration <laughs> of My Little Pony. Oh, man. And I have to say, they've done some really interesting things. They've actually developed a an entire mythos where there's the they have like the rules of magic, what pony magic can actually do and what it can't do. I, I mean, it's almost developed to the point where I'm just waiting for the release of the My Little Pony role-playing game. <laughs> Like, their rules are that well-defined. And I mention it just because I thought it's interesting how much a particular culture of fantasy and science fiction writing has invaded our, our pop entertainment to the point that even My Little Pony has, like... I mean, you can almost see the strength bars comparing the ponies on, you know, oh, this one's better at this kind of magic, and that one's just the way that they actually make all these rules work and they find ways to elaborate what the rules of the magic system are without overburdening exposition. I actually think anyone who wants to write fantasy could be well served by watching <laughs> My Little Pony. You did not just I say did, that. I did just say that. You come on. You and can't be serious I'm with that. I'm totally serious about this. I know. Like I said, it sounds ridiculous. I understand that it sounds oh outrageous. Gosh. But... Watch it for the storytelling that they have and the way that they're able to. <laughs> so, if you're listening out there, everyone, forget Tolkien, forget no, C.S. No, no. Lewis. I didn't say that. Go with My Little Pony. <laughs> you 
you want to learn how to do story just right, My Little Pony is the way to go. <laughs> and it's not for doing story. It's for how to elaborate the rules of your system. <laughs> uh, you know, one who does this a lot, Brandon Sanderson. It seems like every book he writes or every third or fourth book he writes, there's a new kind of magic system introduced in, in, the, in the story. Kind of his his stick, if you will. Wouldn't it be awesome writer. if we came to find out that Brandon Sanderson was really writing the My Little Ponies under like some ghost name? <laughs> that would be awesome. It would be hilarious. <laughs> like after you know it's it's done, it's run its course, then he finally comes out and says, "Yeah, that was that me. was me. <laughs> I was too ashamed, but you know that I did that." And everybody's like, "Wow, that's totally awesome." Anyway, I I think that there are some good things that you can learn about how to write and be entertaining. And still have, you know, a coherence to your universe that you can get from watching My Little Pony. Maybe it's just that, you know, I'm forced to watch it with my six-year-old daughter, and so I'm grasping at something useful to get out of it. (laughs) But I'm enjoying it at this point, and I'm going to give it a thumb up. (laughs) Well, look, I'm not going to talk bad about anything that Beth likes. So I'm just going to leave it at that and say I'm glad you're enjoying something with your daughter. That's, That's most important through all of that. Uh, wow, that is... I was not expecting that, sir. <laughs> I really was not expecting that. I was expecting some, you know, some trashy, like, Watchmen kind of thing. that or you're Twilight. Gonna be like, oh, this is awesome, because there's so much... Yeah, it really makes you do this. I don't know. Well, should we just get into the movie? Let's do it. Um, I, I do want to read Bob's email here, and I, I've got it sitting uh, here in my lap. Um, but I don't want him to say the really cool stuffs. Because I, you know, we okay. want to say it, but I don't know. Maybe should we turn it around this time and let the listener have? Full I think sway? we should. Let's let the listeners swing first. Okay, Bob, this is you, man. Uh, this is what you get, Bob, for being the only one who wrote. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. I, I'm glad you said that. Hi, fellas. Sorry for the late email. Manic week. Uh, don't worry about it. We. Yeah, we've just been you, you puttering around, so yeah, <laughs> A-okay with that. Uh, I hope all is well. It's currently, want to guess the time? 2 a.m. Close. But wrong. Okay. Wrong. 3.20 a.m. Wow. And I think the whole family has sore throats. Oh, no. Our little baby slash toddler slash cherub is having a torrid time and is awake making noises from his room. Hence, I'm awake, wondering if I should medicate him or let him fall into slumber. I'll decide once I finish this email. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate, really, I appreciate the loyalty loyalty in in all of that, but I I think he should look out for the kid first. (laughs) I say the child first and always. Maybe maybe he was just hoping the kid would take care of himself by the time the email was done. (laughs) Uh, So, The Sting. One of my favorite movies. So much so, it was the movie of choice for the last movie night at work. Wait, movie night at work? (laughs) Wait, you don't have those, Pete? No. I have no idea. I've never heard of that. Uh, Please, that bears some explanation. Yes, absolutely. Um, No one had seen it and thought it was a wonderful, fun film after viewing it. I think it sets the standard for many, if not all, heist movies today. This was the first movie to do it well and keep the audience engaged. 
The chemistry between Newman and Redford is great. I mean, I think this is what Steven Stoderberg was looking for from George Clooney and Brad Pitt in the Oceans movies. I love the movie due to its accessibility and the fact that you really never know the extent of the con till right towards the end. The title screens, which break the movie up, really help the viewer along as well. I'm going to agree with him on that. Maybe you don't. I'll talk about it. That means he hates it, Bob. <laughs> Paul Newman's performance was so subtle in roping the mark that when that when they gambled on the train, I enjoyed watching that scene every time. Also, the tension toward the end when uh, Lonigan is putting the bet on as well always works brilliantly as you want him to get him uh, to get comeuppance by then. And who can forget the fake FBI as well? Did you see that coming? Yes, absolutely. Uh, that was actually the one part of this that I was surprised at. Okay. I thought that was the hook. I, you know, I, I didn't expect it. When it was when, uh, as soon as the cop arrested uh, Hooker and, and took him down to the FBI and to meet with the FBI, something in that scene just kind of triggered my, oh, these guys are in on it. Anyway, thanks for choosing this. Hope I'm not too late. Have a great wee, Bob. By the way, he didn't say week, so I'm assuming he wants us to have a great wee? He's concerned it's about the, our urinary tract it's, or something? It's the first half of the week that he's worried about. You know, The, the, <laughs> the first three-fourths of the, the week. The cuh, you know, he, he figures it probably works out anyway. Which is the weekend, and uh, we just coast through that. <laughs> Well, good. Thanks very much, Bob. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I think Bob may, may have been the one who had suggested it, Sounds which right. would make sense. Yeah. Because if I remember correctly, um, Carbonite Man or Moneybags did not care. I think he was the one who, like, when we announced it, was the sting. He was snore. Like, he <laughs> just wasn't interested in, in watching it. But that's okay. That's all right. I had fun watching this uh, movie. I did too. I, it was it was an enjoyable thing for me. Not something that I think I would ever go back and rewatch on a regular basis, uh, but still enjoyable. I could watch it again with someone who hadn't seen it before. Okay, uh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. That 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 would be a reasonable way to rewatch it for me. Okay. Like if a certain lady friend were over, and she was saying, "Well, I'm interested in you're a talking heist about my movie. wife." <laughs> what? Is that not okay? No, that's fine. We have our own movie night. <laughs> um, okay, you said something while we were while you were watching this because I was in here for a little while that I had actually made a note of. As a matter of fact, I put it at the very bottom of my notes. <laughs> yeah, this is the original Leverage. Yeah, Joey and I both enjoy watching the TV show Leverage, and uh, th this show as i was watching it i saw literally elements that i have seen in the television well, show get done i mean the 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 episode of leverage where they use the wire as the con was pretty much a direct lift of this movie <laughs> <laughs> um I, I like leverage like this movie and the elements are there i think i'm always going to like stuff like this yeah i enjoy the oceans 11 um Remake. I have seen the original. You didn't enjoy the original? Didn't care for it. Oh, really? I thought it was way, way, way too slow. Okay. And it was all just trying to show off, like, 
the Rat Pack yeah. guys. Sure. And I thought, I, th- this is interesting. <laughs> no. I'm, I mean, I love their singing. I think they were great, you know, musicians in that regard. But movie stuff, I can't think of anything that I've ever really seen okay. them in. I like the original Ocean's Eleven, and I, I do like the Rat Pack films. I enjoy those quite a bit. Um, saw Ocean's Twelve. I have not seen Ocean's Thirteen. Have you? I I have, but to be honest with you, Pete, they're all like one movie in my mind. I just I yeah, have trouble. It, it's it's agreed, agreed. But they were still fun, and there was yeah. a mystery, and there was funny stuff happening in it. So it's enjoyable to watch for me. Sure. Um, uh, another one along the same veins. I mentioned this over dinner, but you know I'll say it again: is the BBC show Hustle, which is so it's actually closer to the Sting than it is to Leverage, where they are they're out and out con men. One of the things I really like about Hustle is they break the fourth wall a lot. They'll turn and speak to the camera, or rather to the audience, um, and and they'll refer to one of the cards that uh, we saw in here is the hook. So they have the cards that break up the different acts that mm-hmm. Listener Bob mentioned. One of them that they mentioned is the hook. And in the show Hustle, they'll, they'll frequently tell the audience, okay, this is the hook. This is the part where we tell him, you can get something for nothing. And if he's, if he's an honest man, there's a very easy out for him. All he has to do is just walk away. But... Because you can't con an honest man. That's one of the themes of the show. You can't con an honest man. Because they have to be willing to buy into the hook. And they say, you know, if, you, you know, if you're in that position and you see the hook coming, if you're an honest man, you just walk away. But it's always the guy who's thinking, I can get something for nothing here. That's the guy who gets sucked into the con. Yeah, there, there is... You're never going to get something for nothing. Yeah. Now, having said that, I think you should all support your local lotteries. Uh, I think it's a wonderful way to augment your, you know, savings plan. You think it's a great tax on the stupid? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's it's for the children. Um, okay, let me just get into this. I hate gambling. I am just going to come out and say I think gambling is evil. Uh, Interesting. I, I do not find any form of it to o- be only for money. Uh, well, for humans, I would probably say I'm against that too. But I, I would think you would be as well. You're, you're down with human slavery, huh? <laughs> no, no uh, human trafficking is not okay, even in the form of gambling, Joey. I, you know, when I was when I was younger, we would occasionally play poker for candy. So you'd take like a, a thing of the sweet tart candies and open them up, and those are your poker chips. And did the colors mean like different things? Different like so purple was a yes. uh, you know two dollars or something like that. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I still wouldn't think that that was okay. The, the, the drawback was that I was usually out of the game pretty early because I'd constantly be snacking on my my kitty. <laughs> you, how do you not have diabetes? <laughs> Very careful attention. <laughs> they can eat exactly this much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I the the problem with gambling is that it's it's a lie. It's this you're gonna get something for nothing. Uh, I, I think it's a lie in the fact that you know you're. It flies in the face of working hard 
to earn something. Okay. Uh, I, I I find that that attitude deplorable. I think in some cases it can be simply entertainment. I, I have friends that will agree with you on that. Friends I, I who are who play it on a regular basis. Yeah, I I don't actually gamble myself. Certainly not for money. Um, but I, you know, like I said, I've I've played games for for candy. I've played a lot of arcade games, which I think in in a way is a form of gambling. You're you're putting money into a machine and then pushing a button, hoping that you get the high score. I I'm not going to agree with you on that okay. one, but okay, okay, that's, that's your definition. I, I I have a hard time seeing the distinction, I guess, between the two. To me, they they've kind of blended in my mind into the same activity. Gambling for me, in my definition, means that there is some payout that you're trying to achieve. A high score, I wouldn't see that as a payout because it takes. Uh, I don't know. I, I hate to use the word effort <laughs> there, but I can't think of a better word, so I'm sorry. Well, there are people who put a lot of effort into gambling, though. Agreed. I, I know that there are some people who make it a way of life. Yeah. I Just trying to understand where the line is for you, That try, trying to feel you out there. I, I agree. I think... <laughs> Wait, what? Stop trying to feel me. <laughs> <laughs> I think gambling is is for money is I think the bad part is the addiction. It generally tends to draw in people who are easily You're addicted. okay with the the side of it that says, "Ah, you know what? I I'm going to take, you know, this hard-earned money that I receive from working in the hopes that I'm going to make more of it." No. I I and and I I think that anyone who believes that and is gambling is just a sucker who's getting played. Yeah, and, and he, he deserves to be pardoned from his money. Uh, it's the people who are doing it purely for the form of entertainment that I'm like, oh, okay, you know, if you have the extra income, the, the what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, discretionary income, and that is what you see, what you find entertaining. So Vegas is okay as long as you're rich. Sure. Wow. If wow. you're rich and I, I, that I'm, is what you find entertaining, I am I'm not bothered by you choosing to do that. I'm surprised. I, I really am. I, think about the the amount of good that you could do in the world with that money instead of just <laughs> blowing it. Okay, you could, but you're probably not going to. Wow. That, well, that's because those institutions exist. Oh, so you're saying that if we got rid of Vegas, then gambling would stop happening. <laughs> no, I'm not <laughs> suggesting that. And, and, and everyone would funnel all their discretionary income into worthwhile endeavors to better humanity. I think we would be a step closer into having that happen, <laughs> yes. I, I think that the problem exists either way. You're going to spend your money. There are people who are going to spend their discretionary funds on ridiculous things. And if gambling is one of those ridiculous things, I see it as no worse than going to the movie theater. Okay, well, uh, we've heard it here. Joey's next political platform is gambling is okay. As long as it's just this form of entertainment. And as long as you're rich. If yes. you're poor, you better dang well not be doing this. <laughs> wow. I, I really am surprised at you. I, 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 after all these years, I, I didn't there, think... There's still surprises. Huh? I, I didn't think that this would happen. <laughs> um, back on the title cards really briefly the thing I thought was interesting about that it, not just the title cards but also the way they had the um, the credits up front 
I found that weird. I think that that is a, a callback to the old silent films. Yeah, maybe. I mean, because this is supposed to be taking place in the 1930s. Yeah. I think they, 1936 was the, the year I, they had up on right. there. Yeah. Um, I, I It's possible. I've never really watched any silent films, so I don't I, know. I've watched a few, and, and I, I, you know, I've been watching I'm like, I think they're trying to evoke that... It's possible. That Very possible. People, you know, because I'm sure there were a certain number of people that were around at the time this movie was made that could remember going and seeing those kind of films in the theater. Yeah, well, thankfully I wasn't around back then because every one I would have just been like, what is going on? Why are they doing this? This is weird. Uh, okay, so Robert Redford is con man. Yep. And uh, he cons a guy, which I saw coming. It. Yeah. Totally knew that that was a, a con. con. Absolutely. Um, but that was pretty amusing when he's like, okay, yeah, the way you do it is you know, wrap it up in... in and a handkerchief right here, stick it right down the front of your pants. No self-respecting guy is going to frisk you, which is true. Yeah. It's probably 1936. <laughs> Nowadays, eh, probably not. Um, his uh, his partner Leonard. I don't know if you know this or not, but that's James Earl Jones's father. I did not know that. And in fact, they they list him Luther on the right? credits. Yeah, Luther. They list him on the credits as Robert Earl Jones, but they put his first and middle name together as one word, so it says. Robert Earl Jones. You <laughs> <laughs> got like a funny little typo that I caught there. All right. Um, all right, I'm just going to come out and say it. I, I did not expect a burlesque show. <laughs> I, I thought, as soon as I saw that, I thought, I bet you Pete was in here going, hmm, boobies. I like this movie. <laughs> no, I actually got worried because I suddenly thought, I didn't bother to check the rating on this. I wonder what we're about to start seeing in this. Um, because they weren't afraid of using the N-word yeah. in this movie at all. It was used several times. Um, which I I was just surprised at. I, I guess it was okay back then. Um, here, here's a thing for you. So you're you're a con man. You're, you're J- Johnny Hooker. And you've just conned a guy out of $11,000. At that point, don't you go, wait a minute. Who's carrying $11,000 around on the street? Maybe I shouldn't be screwing with this man. Uh, I, yes. <laughs> uh, I would think so as well. Okay. Yeah. I, I, just, I, I wondered about that. Um, the, the character of Hooker just... I don't know about you, but he drove me crazy. The way he immediately blows his entire share... On one gamble. And, and the ridiculous suit. Yeah. Can I just say, I have never been a fan of Pinstripe. Okay. I don't think it looks good. I think some men look good in it. I don't know that I'm one of them, but, you know. That oh, suit, that that, suit that took a lot for Joey to admit that he <laughs> likes looking at men in Pinstripe. <laughs> but, uh, and then... He's got this bottle of champagne that he just throws in the trash completely yeah. unopened. Ugh, yeah. That there are so many things about this guy's personality it, what that just I, grated on me. What, what about the girl who just, she's like really upset that he makes a bet with $3,000. She's like, I can't believe this. Yeah, I, you would do something like this. I, I don't want to be around. Uh, I didn't get her. Oh, like I, all of a sudden the night has to end because he makes one stupid bet? I I dated people like that. I mean, granted, she's a stripper, so I I guess 
I shouldn't think much of her anyway. <laughs> I, I think it was, uh, I think we're supposed to get the sense there that this is a pattern with him and that she's frustrated. This is, this is it. The, this is the end mm. of her putting up with that particular right. pattern. I mean, because clearly he's a broken person. Yes. He is. All right. So, um, let's see here. Oh, 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 okay. So they go back to Luther's place. Yep. And Luther's has the whole speech about, Ah, time to get out while I'm ahead. I've been waiting for this score my whole life. And uh, he didn't say it, but, well, at least I don't think he said it, but it made me think of, you know, the whole getting out while you're ahead or getting out while you're on top, going out while you're at the peak and the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. Wanted to get your thoughts on it, specifically as it relates to Jim Brown. Now, Jim Brown, for those people who don't know, was... I mean, even to this day, is looked at as one of the greatest running backs in the game of American football. Yes. He he was just stunning. Like, ahead of his time, smashing... I mean, he set all sorts of records. I think some of them have been, you know, broken since, since broken. Yeah. But, you know, that, that's just going to happen over time. But he stopped at literally the height of his career. He just <laughs> said, yeah, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and got out. And I, that has always bugged me about Jim Brown. Really? You, you, that bothers you? It does. Okay. Because he defends it pretty heavily. And he gets... I've heard him talk about athletes who stick around when they're just starting to get past their prime a little bit. Mm-hmm. Still useful, still productive. Doesn't matter. They're past their prime. Why are you still in there? Yeah. Get out. Uh, I, I don't care for that. I, I think if you still have the drive, the the tenacity, if you can get in there, then you do it. Don't just get out because you're on top at a given time period. Sure. I, what are your thoughts? Well, so I have to be careful here because I don't want it to sound like I'm in favor of what Brett Favre did. Um, I'm not in favor of what Brett Favre did. But I I agree with you that I think it's, I think it's awesome to watch a player that maybe he's passed the... the the peak of his physical prime, but he still has the drive, and he has all the wily stuff that he's gathered over the years. Um, I think a great example of that is John Stockton, who, you know, towards the tail end of his career, wasn't setting the records that he had set when he was younger, and wasn't, you know, maybe meeting some of those really high performance marks that he had met, but he still managed to carry the Utah Jazz as a team pretty much on his back year after year. The guy would just outperform everyone else on the team. And I think in a lot of cases, you know, you, you hear interviews and stuff of people saying, well, you know, John Stockton, he knows all the things that he can get away with on the court that the refs can't see. And he knows how to do it when the refs aren't looking and things like that. Maybe maybe not the best model, but, you know, it's, it's just an example of how his wisdom or in, in the knowledge that he acquired over the years managed to compensate for the, the lack of a physical prime. We've heard it here first. Joey advocates cheating. <laughs> is it cheating if you don't get caught? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Because, you know, in the in the NBA, I don't know that it is. It's only a foul if the ref blows the whistle. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I'm not... You, you make me sick if that's actually what you think. <laughs> no, because it pisses me off to no end <laughs> when I play games with people who, who play that I, I play soccer a lot. And that is... In my opinion, a beautiful physical game that, you know what, sometimes you make a mistake, you foul somebody, great. 
But if you intentionally do it, that you're no fan of soccer. <laughs> no. You you are not because you're you're just trying to win for the sake of winning, not play a beautiful game. Uh, I, I I don't advocate cheating. I I really don't. I All just right. think it's I, finally I mean, it's he's taken a stand, everyone. Um and, and and you know the the example that's coming up right now that's bearing a lot on my mind is Peyton Manning. You know, I'm a huge Peyton Manning fan. And there's a question out there, a lot of people asking, should the guy just quit? He's done everything, you know, set tons of records. How many, eight, 11 years in the... Yes, yeah. And, you know, won a Super Bowl ring, so already he's got a leg up on Dan Marino. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> wow. Well, it was Marino who, you know, the year that Peyton Manning won a ring, I used to watch the... Oh, what is the show? It's, it was an HBO show. I think it was Inside the NFL. Um, it's now moved to Showtime, but... So I used to I used to watch it, and Dan Marino is one of the analysts on that show, and he talked a little bit after Peyton Manning had won his ring about how that just really made him angry because for all the years that Peyton didn't have a ring, Dan's like, well, yeah, well, you know, I, I you know, I'm at least as good as Peyton Manning because I didn't ever win a Super Bowl, he didn't ever win a Super Bowl, we're on the same level, and he was basically coming out and saying, yeah, I, as far as I'm concerned, Peyton Manning is has now beaten me. I, I'm no longer the greatest quarterback. It's Peyton Manning now. Yeah, I would never say Marino's on the same level as Peyton Manning. <laughs> well, I'm no huge Peyton Manning fan, but I don't think Marino's ever going to be at his level. M- Marino, <laughs> Marino certainly thought he was. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, you know, there's there's some question of whether whether or not he should retire, and I certainly hope he doesn't. Uh, you know, even if he, you know, they're saying he's throwing the ball right now with about sixty percent of the arm strength. Sixty percent of Peyton Manning is still better than an awful lot of quarterbacks that are playing in the NFL today. <laughs> Certainly, a lot better than Jeff Painter, Curtis Painter, Curtis Painter. <laughs> Where did you get that from, Jeff Painter? It's a relative no name. So I, you know, I, I believe in sticking around until that point where it's obvious that you just don't belong anymore. Okay, good. Good. I, I, I'm glad we can agree on something at least in this podcast tonight. I thought it was interesting. The uh, the the women in Leonard's family are going to church to play bingo. Is that like <laughs> they're going to church to pray? But they're actually like getting dressed up in their Sunday clothes and stuff. But the reason that they're really there is to play bingo. Yeah. <laughs> was that really like? Did they really dress up in their Sunday clothes to go play bingo? I don't know. Okay. But I mean, they were con women. Yeah, which I find funny is the fact that you know, the conning is okay, and you yes. know, yeah, well, <laughs> I'm 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 a good churchgoer. <laughs> Gotta get my church in. Okay, Luther gets thrown out the window, um, and uh, I mean he he dies. Yes, and so that sets up the whole uh, revenge plot. Well, I was gonna say the motivation okay. for why this is going. This movie is gonna happen. What's going to happen in this movie, I should say. Um, so he, uh, Hooker, then kind of has to go out on the run, got to find some help from somebody. I don't know how he ends up getting, like, who suggests that he meet up with uh, the Gundorf? It was actually Luther, when Luther was going to retire. He says, I'm going to retire. You should go talk to this Gundorf guy and learn to play the long con. You could play the long con, you know, Great, you've you've been doing the small the small short cons like with me for so long. I look at you and I know you could be really good at the long con. You should go look this guy up. Okay, so that's how it happens. He goes, looks for him, finds him. That's where we meet uh, our good friend, Mister Paul Newman. 
And I think it was uh, Gundorf, uh, Paul Newman, who says, Glad to meet you, kid. You're a real horse's ass. <laughs> yes. I don't remember why. Was it because the other guy was calling him a drunk or something? No, it was because he hauled, like, he'd fallen out of the bed asleep, and he was pressed up against the wall, and... Uh, Robert Redford's character, Johnny Hooker, got him in the shower right. and turned the okay. shower on him. And he's like, hey, would you turn the water off? And Robert Redford's just sitting there watching. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's completely dressed. I, that bugged me. I don't know about you, but... I would it, hate that. It would, it would be terrible to be completely dressed and in the shower like and, that. And then the shower was spraying water all over the room. Yes, it was. There was so much wrong I, with that scene. I noticed that as well. <laughs> You're not alone there. Uh, anyway, so they decide, uh, you know, they're going to do the long con. They're going to do the big one. They're going to go after... Lonigan. <laughs> Not Lennerman. Lennerman. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Uh, anyway, we'll get that in a sec. Um, okay, so they start working on gathering the team. Yeah, they do. Yeah, the whole... <laughs> I've decided. Nose. I'm, uh, I'm just going to start, as I walk down the street, I'm going to look people straight in the eye and swipe my nose at them, and they'll know that I'm a professional con man just by that gesture. <laughs> well, when you do it to the other con men, they'll know. Because it seems like there's a local brotherhood, almost as though there's like a union a of trade con union. men. <laughs> Who's on the list? Go get the list. <laughs> local con 32. <laughs> um, anyway, because it seems like Luther was like well-known, and everybody liked him, that everybody's standing up and saying, yeah, I'll do whatever you want. I, I'll help out on this. I'm going to get this guy too. Yeah. Um, and th- th- this introduces for me one of the really big problems of this movie. Okay, with the number of people that are con men, by definition, not very trustworthy individuals. The number of them they have involved in this con, there's absolutely no way nothing gets back to the mark. Over the course of the movie. It does seem a little odd. I mean, the only only way I could think of off the top of my head is that that guy is based in New York, or wasn't he? And so this is in Chicago. He ran a yeah, whole bunch he, of stuff in Chicago. Yeah, he ran one uh, uh, bookie. Yep. Um, or Well, no, it wasn't one. He ran a bunch of them. I think that, it was just the one. No. That, that one that he goes into and he's checking the books on... They're the collection point for all the other... Because hmm. at the very beginning of the movie, the guy who gets the money stolen from him is the delivery man. He's supposed to be taking money from yeah. one of their satellites back to the main station. And they, they list like five or six places. He's like, well, these guys brought in 20000 and this other place brought in 15000 and all you got is eleven. You're lousy. And it's, I mean, they list like several different joints that this guy apparently runs. That all collect the money together. Okay, I must have missed that part then. And, and you're right; it, it does seem a yeah. little odd. But I guess the only thing we can tie it back to is everybody liked Luther. Well, and I'm not even saying that somebody like goes straight to. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Lonergan. <laughs> no, there's no R in it. It's just Lonergan. Lonergan. Um, but even like somebody running his mouth at the bar, you know, or something. And eventually, getting back to this guy, I, I just found that to stretch, stretch disbelief quite a bit. It didn't stretch for me. I was okay with it. Uh, so they set up the con. They're going to try and get to what they call the wire, yeah, um, which is horse racing and basically Past posting. They're 
they're going to be setting Lonigan up to make some bad bets. Yes. Um, that's in the end what what's going to happen. But in order to do that, they have to get him there and they have to kind of rub him the wrong way. And so that's where Paul Newman is on the train and he's going to get into this card game. <laughs> and he's going to manage to cheat Lonigan. Now, it, I before we even get into that, we saw all of the little card tricks yeah. that Newman was doing. Uh, that is amazing. Absolutely amazing how people was, can do that. That was pretty cool. Uh, I I don't know if he was palming it or if you know he was just that quick at making sure that that ace was always up on top. I uh, don't know. I wondered if it was... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wondered if there was... You know, there are, ma- there are trick decks that when you turn them a certain way, that they always come out a certain way. I can't remember how it works, but, I, you know, I've seen trick decks that actually can make anyone look like they're quite the, quite the card sharp. It'd be impressive how you can manage to make a deck do that, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know either. Anyway, he gets into the card game, and they make a big deal about... Hey, look, this is a gentleman's game here. How dare you come without a tie on? Doesn't that seem weird? Not for the 1930s, no. Really? Yeah. Because to me, it just seemed like I, I would have thrown him out just because he was drunk. <laughs> that would have been enough impetus for me to throw him out just because everybody knows how annoying a drunk can be. I thought that was interesting. He's like, you know, you drink gin because then the mark can't tell. You, know, you water it down, the mark can't tell if you're... Uh, that, you know that it's not all this big bottle of gin, but he used it as kind of a cologne and a mouthwash before he went in, so that he he's just gonna reek of this stuff. Yeah, uh, I like that. I thought that was a good touch. You know, that he's like, oh, here, let me splash some on my face and rinse my mouth with it. <laughs> yeah, which is interesting that uh, you know a drunk would uh, would do that. Uh, but uh... so they mention at one point that uh, Lonigan likes to play a game called. Pharaoh. I don't know if you caught that. No. They're talking about, well, you know, his favorite game is Pharaoh. It's like, yeah, I've heard of that game before. And so I went and looked it up on Wikipedia. Learned some interesting things about this. So, the earliest references to this card game come out of France in the 17th century. Okay? It was, it was really popular in 18th and 19th century Europe. And it was forbidden to play it in France during the reign of Louis Fourteenth. Severe penalties for it because the game was so easy to rig. And it's kind of like 21 where, you're, where all the players are playing against the dealer individually. Um, anyway, so then it, it, comes to the ni- it comes in the 19th century, it comes to the United States. Uh, it says it became the most widespread and popularly favored gambling game. Its detractors regarded it as a dangerous scam that destroyed families and reduced men to poverty because of a rampant rigging of the dealing box. Crooked ferro equipment was so popular that many sporting houses and companies began to supply gaffed dealing boxes specifically designed so that bankers could choose which players they wanted to cheat. Wow. Cheating was prevalent enough that early editions of Hoyle's Rule of Games began their ferro section warning readers that not a single honest Pharaoh bank could be found within the United States. <laughs> <laughs> what idiots are getting into that? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was interesting. It's like super popular, but everyone knows the house is cheating. <laughs> kind of like roulette, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Anyway, I, I just 
there, there's some interesting information in the article there. They actually teach you how to play the game, and I didn't see how it is that the house can cheat so easily. That doesn't also apply to every other card game in the world, but kind of interesting. Um, okay, they use the word moxie. Yes. Can I have a definition of the word moxie? Confident and aggressive, or confident and aggressive behavior. Hmm. Just not a word we use nowadays. I think everybody's heard it. I would be hard-pressed if you were to go to someone and have them try and define it. Okay. I just don't think it's... I heard it used at LTUE at least twice. Well, there's weirdos out there, so that's (laughs) fine. Um, Okay, so Gundorf manages to win. He cheats the cheater. Uh, They, you know, Lonigan is so annoyed that uh, uh, he's winning that he says, all right, give me a fixed deck here, and I'm going to... I'm going to switch it out. And it doesn't matter because Gundorf is planning to cheat anyway, right. and he lays out his four jacks, manages <laughs> to win. And the look on the guy's face at the back was like, just pained, like, oh, oh I did it, boss on us. <laughs> that was funny. I, I enjoyed his uh, the look on his face. When, I, when I, I like that idea of, you know, you know someone is cheating. You openly cheat them. Where there's there's no question in anyone's mind that you just cheated that guy. But he doesn't dare say anything because he started it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, only way, the only way he could know you were cheating is if he had cheated first. Yeah. His line is uh, when he's in his own compartment. He's like, what do you want me to do? Come out and tell him he cheated better than I did? <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's true. I remember playing one time with a friend in, in a game of just... You know, again, just po- poker for entertainment, not necessarily. And we don't know, we didn't know the rules, so we we're just kind of making them up as we go, right? But I remember at one point when there were seven aces played. And I was like, <laughs> Wait a minute! <laughs> Red hearts, purple moons, and yellow stars aren't actually. Uh, well, I guess red hearts would be uh, an okay uh, uh, card to, to play. Okay. Um, Moving on, uh, the next thing I wrote down is the quote. He'll probably miss you and hit me. And I know that was Gandorf talking to Hooker, but I don't remember what that was in relation to. Um, he was talking about, well, he was trying to get Hooker to talk to him about all the other stuff that was going on. He was being chased by Snyder, and right. he's also being chased by the two hitmen sent out by Lonigan. And Hooker doesn't want to talk about it. And Which I think is hilarious that Lonigan is getting buddy buddy with Hooker. And he's got the two hitmen trying to kill Hooker. Yeah, they, they just—he just never bothered to put two and two together. There, he—he well, he never saw a. He didn't know what Hooker looked like. Like he had no way, and, and he's using a different name. He's using the name Kelly. Mm-hmm. So he had no way of knowing who this Hooker guy was. And it's just you know, I always—I kept waiting the whole movie for that time when Hooker was walking in the room as the two hitmen are walking, and they're like, "Hey!" <laughs> <laughs> never happened, but but. Uh, what was I going to say about that? You had just mentioned... He'll probably miss you and hit me. Oh, yes, me. yes. So, uh, he, he was saying that, you know, you need to... You've got to stop playing, treating your friends like they're marks. And, you know, whoever it is that's coming after you, they're shooting at you, they'll probably miss you and end up hitting me. That's true. That's true. I hope people miss me and hit you instead. <laughs> It would be easier for me. Um, okay, so the con is on. Uh, um, Hooker man- tells Lonigan, look, 
I I work for this for this guy, and I've been trying to you know bust it up so that I can take over that racket. I'm look. I've got a guy on the inside. He's feeding me the leads ahead of time. I just need you to place the bet. I'm gonna give you the money. Just come in and do this for me. And you know we're I, I'm trying to get a bankroll going here. Yeah. So. He says, "Okay, I'll do it." He places his bet. He sees that he, you know, gets the payoff there, and he sees that there's real profit to be made, and he's gonna muscle. He's wants to muscle his way in, and he is gonna become the bankroll instead of this other outside investor that they had. Right. Anyway, he wants to meet the guy at the Western Union office. <laughs> Yes, and uh, this was very leverage-like. Oh, incredibly but so! They, they have this moment in every episode of Leverage. Yeah, it's Leverage usually has the line, "Okay, well, we've got to go steal a," yep. and then they say, "You know, oh, we've got to go steal a, a museum or steal a this or steal a that," you know, to set up the the con. Um, so they go in there and they say, "Hey, we got this work order to paint this office." Uh, wow, it's got the signature here, but no one told me about it. This is weird. He's like, well, look, we're going to get paint everywhere. You're just going to have to leave. And so <laughs> the funniest thing about it is they get the guy to go, and he's set up now, and, you know, Lonegan and whatnot's going to come to the back door. They're actually painting the office. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the guy is still, like, up in the corner. He's going, just going to town, painting all over, and then they just leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, you know why they were really painting, right? That, that yes. was their that was their excuse to not have the meeting there in the office. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I, I get that. I mean, it was all part of the yeah. cover, but still, the fact that they painted it actually like, like part of the office, one corner of the wall, <laughs> and then just okay, we're done. Thanks. Uh, off we go. I, I don't understand why he actually called out to the receptionist. That part didn't make all. He could he could have just pushed next to the button. And said, you know, hey, oh, this is sure. so sure. I, I just thought that was... Well, that yeah. was just for the joke, right? Yes. To have the guy come in the room and be like, what? That's got to be just for the joke. It has to be. Yeah, that, that that's true. Um, okay, so uh, the next thing I have down is the feds come into the thing. We've already kind of talked yeah. about that a little bit, so we, we just could just skip over except for this part. They talk about the Bunko Squad. Yes. What is that? So they actually had said it several times before. Uh -huh. we, we find out that Snyder goes around telling people he's on the Bunko Squad. So Bunko is a term for con men. The Bunko Squad is a division of the police specifically set up to chase and prosecute con men. Okay. And it's head up by clearly an immoral man yes. in the case of Snyder, uh, who is who's in on a good majority of it and just... <laughs> As long as he gets his take. All right, give me my cut, and you're fine. Well, you know, it was interesting because uh, Gondorf actually tells us that, that that was just the way it was. You know, so he, he, he's, he's lamenting the fact that it's moving away from that. You know, it used to be you just make sure the cops got their take and everything was fine. That is so immoral. <laughs> so immoral. Uh, okay, let me ask you this question, because remember at this point, I'm still thinking... Okay, well, the feds are on to them, and this is going to make this a little bit more interesting and awesome when, this, when they manage to pull off the con. If you're a hooker, and you're in that position, would you turn in Gundorf, or not? And if you didn't decide to turn him in, would you tell him about it? 
Or, you know, essentially, would you cover your guy, or do you think that you would turn him in? I would tell the FBI, yes, I'm working with you, absolutely, let's go get Gondorf and, and catch him. And then I'd go back to Gondorf and say, okay, we need to plan, we need to work into this plan a way to get you. And maybe that's what tipped me off. Maybe that's what it was that didn't that made me think, oh, these guys must be on it. It was the fact that Hooker didn't go back to Gondorf and say, hey, the FBI's in on it. We need to have a contingency in our plan to deal with the FBI too and still get you out. I, I don't know. I, there was just something that tipped me out. I think that's what I would do. I'd go back to him and say, all right, you know, you're, you're the master con man. Well, guess what? The FBI is looking for you. I've told him I'm going to work with them. What do we do now to make sure that you get off while I still look like I was trying to cooperate? Good. Your your skills at lying are getting <laughs> better and better. Um, I thought it was interesting. Agent Polk is played by Dana Elkar. This is Peter Thornton from MacGyver. Oh, sure. Wow. <laughs> that guy was skinny once. Yes, he was. Wow. <laughs> that is... Oh, that's hilarious. Now, I, he looked familiar, but I couldn't place oh, the face. Oh, so, so he's out, I'm like, hey, <laughs> it's the guy from MacGyver. <laughs> All right. Um, we see something in here that I, I don't know that it existed back then. Did they have silencers in the 1930s? I don't know. <laughs> I saw that, too. I caught that, too. I was like, I thought, what? <laughs> weird. All right. Let, let's talk about Salino here. Okay. Uh, so she is the hit one of the hitmen, who's you know supposedly out there. It's his real professional that he brings in for the tough cases. Yeah. Um, so they set her up as this you know diner waitress, and I, I just don't get why Hooker is trying to hook up with her. <laughs> I mean, because clearly he's surprised. He has no idea who she is. Yeah. You know, it's only that uh, uh, that guy who was watching out for Hooker who knew. But it it just, I, I, were we supposed to buy that she was attractive? Yeah, I think so. She she was his type. Maybe not. Attractive, I guess since so he was attracted to her. I guess that's nineteen thirties attractive or well, something. Look at some of the old pinup girls. I mean, they were not. I think what we would today call classically beautiful. I, well, I don't know. Most of the pinup girls that I can think of were just a little more curvier than what they are <laughs> nowadays. I mean, they were still attractive women. Okay. I, I just, I, I didn't see anything about her that made me think, oh yeah, Hooker would like her. I, I didn't, I didn't get it. I don't know. I, I had a harder time. Okay, so when when with why she didn't just kill him kill all him. of those other yes. multiple times she had the option. The, the minute he sees her as he's walking down the alley, I'm like, oh, okay, she's the hitman. Then then the second thing I thought of was, wait, why hasn't she killed him yet? She's had many many chances. Yeah, at, at least three that I can think of. <laughs> One, poison the food. Right. That was the first thing I thought of, too. It's not as though they've got a CSI Chicago back then <laughs> that they're going to test it. They're just going to say, oh, yeah, I guess he died. Uh, when he is being chased by that other guy and he's like, okay, look, go open up the bathroom window. Yep. I'll she get in the could, bathroom stall with you. She could have killed him there yeah. with the other guy and he would have been like, oh, Selena. Oh, uh, hey, all right. Thanks for helping me out here. We're killing this guy. 
And then finally, when he sleeps with her. <laughs> Anywhere in there. <laughs> I mean, the excuse that they give is pitiful. Well, there was the old lady across the hall who actually saw him there. But I, I agree. I'm just saying. If she's got a silencer, kill I'm, him. She leaves during the night and yeah. is never seen from again. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that the director or the writer actually tried to handle that by having the old woman across the hall open the door. But I think it was I think it was poorly done. Yeah, it doesn't work. Um, okay, so we find out that, uh, that Gundorf is protecting Hooker. He's had a guy watching him the whole time. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, just goes to show he's a brilliant mind. Um, and then they end up, you know, they win the con. They, so, they manage to trick him into, you know, $500,000. There was a really good line in, in there when they're getting ready. It's like the night before the final stage of the con. Uh, before, before the sting, you know, as we come to learn it's called. Um, where Gondorf says to Hooker, he says... Take it easy, kid. We're not going to lose him now. We had him 20 years ago when he decided to be somebody. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting line where he's basically saying, look, this guy has set himself up for this fall his whole life. Everything he, Every choice he's made has been leading into this. And that makes me think, yeah, on some level, that's probably how Gondorf justifies to himself what he's doing. Now, here's what we don't see, which is a month later... Snyder digs around a little bit more, finds out Hooker isn't dead, finds out the other guy, Gundorf, isn't dead either. There was no murder that happened there that day, and he tells Lonigan, and Lonigan starts it all over again, and they're chasing them again. Well, the impression I got was that they're leaving town. They're leaving Chicago at the end. They're going off to go somewhere else to become, to do their next job. Sure, but it seems as though Lonigan's got a strong arm, or I should say a long arm. He's got a lot of money. with a Lonigan. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I enjoyed about this movie is the the character of Lonigan. He, when they, when Hooker comes up to his hotel room uh-huh. and he's eating the breakfast, I'm not sure you would have noticed this, but he had his fork in his left hand and his knife in his other hand. The continental style? Yeah, and he was cutting it up and just mashing it up on the fork and eating it with the fork upside down. Yeah. That is what they do in in Britain. Yeah. That's how they eat. And it just, I enjoyed the fact that they had that little subtle thing there that not everybody would have even noticed, but it was there and I said, son of a gun. Of course an Irishman would eat his food that way. You that know, makes perfect sense. I don't know where I first learned that, but I actually acquired the habit myself of eating that way until I got married my wife said that's going to stop <laughs> you're going to eat your food like a regular person <laughs> it bothered her that I would have my fork upside down you know I, I, I had seen it in some movie somewhere or something and I thought that was pretty cool you know I'm going to start doing that and looked into it and learned it was called eating in the continental manner and stuff and I'm like Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really do it much because I, there's not that much stuff that I eat that I have to cut up first. Like, I don't need to cut up a steak or a, you know, a chicken breast or anything like that. It's already pre-sized in the right mouth proportion for me <laughs> with everything I cook. So I don't do it anymore. But uh, I, I enjoyed eating that way. It took me a while to figure it out. 
I, I think that's all I have about the movie. Pete, what were your your overall impressions of the movie? I thought it was fun. I thought it was enjoyable. Um, I don't think that it's okay for with, with unfortunately the use of the N word uh-huh. so much. I would say, look, I would wait until someone as a a little older, you know, a sixteen year old would probably be able to handle that. Okay. Um, you know, as long as they understood that, you know, some things are appropriate and look, this is in the 1930s. Right. So even though this is filmed, I don't, was this in the 60s or 70s that this was filmed? I don't know. I want to say in somewhere. I mean, it was uh, early enough that Robert Redford had a baby face (laughs) and, you know, wasn't Leatherman. 1973. 73. So, I mean, I, I think it's accurate to the time period, but still, eh. I don't think you want to put everybody in front there sure. and, and have them watch it. Plus the burlesque show. <laughs> yeah. Minus the burlesque show and uh, a little bit of the language, I think that this is a movie that you could almost say is a family movie. Okay. Almost. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed it, and I'm glad I watched it. I have to say for me that this is my favorite movie that I've seen so far of Newman and Redford together. Um, I realize that I'm, I'm probably going to just horrify a lot of people here by saying I didn't really care for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Never saw it. I didn't really enjoy that movie so much. It, it was way too long and and just drags in my opinion. Um, but in this movie I really got the dynamic between Newman and Redford and I, and I really enjoyed the interplay there. And I hope it doesn't make it sound too weird if I just say that Paul Newman is a handsome man. There, I. If you don't say it, then I, I'm gonna have to say you're blind. Yeah, I mean, honestly, goodness, he was a handsome fellow. I mean, as he got older, not so much. But this is this is clearly the height of of Newman right here that we've seen. Very yeah. very handsome guy. Wish I looked a little bit more like him. <laughs> oh, Joey, don't worry. One day you'll never look like him. <laughs> Any closing thoughts? No, I got nothing. What are we going to do next week? Are we moving on to Studio 60? I have no idea what we're doing <laughs> next week. Should we tell our listeners so they we'll can do something somehow? I don't know. Yeah, we might do a podcast. It'll be, <laughs> we'll say some stuff. We'll probably laugh. Make I'll make fun of Joey at some point. That's, do, that's we, a given. We do have a backup book cast that we can use. Nah, let's save that for a, oh crap, we can't record this week. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of The Home Starmy Presents Trek West 5. We hope that you've learned something, had some laughs, and we always invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. Or you can tweet us at hashtag trekwest5, or call and leave us a voicemail at 801-788-4913. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And thanks for listening.